This podcast is intended solely for educational purposes and presents information of a general nature. It is not intended to guide or determine any specific individual situation and persons should consult qualified professionals before taking specific action. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not those of Milliman. Hello and welcome to Critical Point, a podcast brought to you by Milliman. I'm Jeremy Engdahl Johnson from Milliman's Media Relations team, and I'll be your host today. In this episode of Critical Point, we're going to be talking about the CARES Act and what it means for retirement plans. CARES Act stands for Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. Joining us today are Ginny Boggs, Principal and Senior Re- Regulatory Compliance Consultant in the Dallas office of Milliman, and Charlie Clark, Milliman's EB Research Director. Just one production note, with everyone working from home, we're recording this podcast via Zoom. So we apologize if this isn't the crystal clear audio you're used to from Critical Point. We do promise the content is the sort of high quality information you expect from Critical Point. With that, I'm gonna welcome our two guests today. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, Charlie. How you doing, Jeremy? Doing all right. So we had some very fast developing regulation pertaining to retirement plans. Uh, I think Charlie and I were just recording a podcast on the SECURE Act all of two or three weeks ago, and here we are in a completely different situation. So I'm glad we could all come together to talk a little bit about about what this means for retirement plans. Ginny, I wanna start with you. Uh, There's a lot of provisions here that have implications for defined contribution plans. Wondering if you could give kind of a high level view of of what what those changes are. Absolutely, and just to clarify before I get started, which types of defined contribution plans this would apply It would be any qualified plan, which would be a a profit sharing, a 401k plan, a money purchase pension plan, in addition, 403b plans, and also governmental 457b plans. So it runs pretty much the gamut of defined contribution plans. And what the CARES Act does for defined contribution plans is it gives some distribution and loan relief to what the law calls qualified individuals. And that would mean either participants or their spouses or dependents who have been diagnosed with coronavirus disease. It also includes, and this is some very welcome relief, some relief for those who perhaps don't have coronavirus disease but are affected by it. That would be participants who are being quarantined or furloughed or laid off due to what's happening in the world with the coronavirus. Maybe they've had their work hours reduced, they qualify for this, being unable to work due to lack of childcare, or if they're a business owner, the closing or reducing of their hours for the business they owned or operated. So that's who would qualify. So what type of distribution and loan relief would they get? On the distribution side, as you all know, there are certain restrictions on taking money out of the defined contribution plan while you're still working for the employer. The rules generally would uh, restrict that unless you're age 59 and a half or other specific types of hardship withdrawals. But the CARES Act opens it up. It gives a lot of relief in this regard. It will allow a qualified individual to take an in-service distribution of up to $100,000 as long as they take that out by December 31, 2020, even if they would not otherwise qualify for a distribution under the plan. It also waives the 10% early distribution penalty for individuals who haven't yet reached age 59 and a half. 
these would not be considered under the tax rules rollover eligible, which is good news for the withholding aspect, because if a participant takes out this type of coronavirus-related distribution, um, the otherwise applicable 20% mandatory withholding would not apply. Instead, there would be 10% elective withholding. There generally are also certain notice requirements that a participant would normally have to receive, generally explaining to them what their rollover rights would be. Of course, that doesn't apply to these because these won't be rollover eligible, so we don't have to worry about getting that type of notice when they need to get money in a hurry. And um, they must, this is good relief here, the individual has to certify that they are a qualified individual. One of the short lists that I gave you earlier that are affected by the coronavirus. So the good news for plan sponsors and plan administrators in that regard is that we don't have to ask them for documentation and proof that they are a qualified individual. The participant can merely self-certify that they qualify for that. On the personal income tax side, any qualified individual who takes out one of these types of distributions will be able to spread out the taxable income over three taxable years, and they work that out on their own personal income tax return. And they would also even have the ability to pay this distribution back into what's called an eligible retirement plan over a three-year period in order to be able to get the same relief that they might be able to get if they were to make a rollover to a plan. So over a three-year period, they could potentially pay that back into the same plan they took the distribution from, or perhaps down the road, if they're no longer working for the same company, roll that into an IRA in order to get that type of tax treatment. On the participant loan side, for qualified individuals, the CARES Act will let them take a loan up to double the normal limit as long as they take that loan out within six months, 180 days from the time that the CARES Act was enacted. So what that means is that a participant can take up to 100% of their vested account balance as a plan loan, or if less, up to $100,000. So those are double the normal limits. Another good aspect of the CARES Act, more participant loan relief, is that for a qualified individual, it permits them a delay of up to one year for making their loan repayments if their loan repayments have due dates that fall between the date that the CARES Act was enacted through December 31, 2020. So that's some very welcome relief, particularly most defined contribution plans require that loan repayments be made out of payroll deduction. And of course, if participants are not being paid because of uh, being laid off, furloughed, what have you, or if they're being paid at a much reduced rate due to reduced work hours, very, very welcome relief. And not only do they not have to pay a loan payment when it's due, they're also not starting the clock of when that loan will go into default. And of course, incur taxation. So again, very welcome relief there. As far as when they actually return to work or have their hours increased, any subsequent repayments will be adjusted to reflect the delay in the due date, the original due date, 
along with any accrued interest during the period of delay. In other words, while they get the delay for making their loan repayments, interest will continue to accrue. And then after the one year period, the loan will be reamortized. The good news there is that the normal limit on the loans, generally uh, no longer than five years for repayment term, the CARES Act is allowing a one year delay. So in other words, if I took a loan today, essentially I could have six years to repay, not five years. And my first loan payment, I could delay up to one year from the date that I take the loan. So that's extremely good news for plan participants who, who are in extreme need of getting some money out of the plan to help them with their current uh, situation. One last thing for the defined contribution side is some required minimum distribution relief. Uh, generally, that would apply to individuals who are over 70 and a half. There was a law change that took effect last year that now that uh, generally would kick in at age 72 for required minimum distributions from their defined contribution plan. But the CARES Act waives required minimum distributions for defined contribution plans for 2020, and that's for 2020 only. Any distribution that would be otherwise a required minimum distribution that is paid in 2020 will not be treated as a required minimum distribution. This would also include RMDs that were due uh, for 2019, whose required beginning date was April 1, 2020. And so those may have already been paid. Individuals who receive that actually will be able to get some uh, tax relief on that. For 2020, any portion of a distribution that would have been treated as a required minimum distribution absent this temporary waiver under the CARES Act is eligible for rollover. However, the 20% federal income tax withholding will be ignored for 2020, and the distribution is exempt from the normal notice requirements of rollover rights for that distribution. Thanks, Jenny. Sounds like welcome relief to people who've been affected by the coronavirus. We're going to dig more into some of the DC implications, but Charlie, why don't you take us through what this means for defined benefit plans? Sure, Jeremy, and thanks for uh, the invitation to speak to, to our listeners today about this. You know, kind of in general, the defined benefit world, there's hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars invested in it. So anytime there's any change in, you know, legislative uh, actions, new laws, it, it kind of ripples and, and it affects all of the participants in the plan. Now, uh, we've been looking at only single employer plans here. Uh, that means plan sponsors who are not part of uh, larger collectively bargained trusts. Uh, just And just to contrast that to who actually qualifies for some of the relief I'm going to discuss, um, single employer rules don't have to have qualification issues like Ginny was speaking about for individuals. What happens here is that there's been two pretty specific changes in defined benefit law that first I want to emphasize that they're voluntary actions and, and next I'll just go through what happens. So the first one is um, the delay of any payments that are required under the tax laws to define benefit plans for the rest of calendar 2020. 
Um, and that's important to note because many, uh, many employers were going to have to put money in as early as in two weeks on April 15th. But what this deferral permits any plan sponsor from doing, and might be because of you know, cash flow issues. We know that in the business press, we've been reading about uh, cash is precious, dividends are being cut, you know, perhaps uh, savings plans are going to have their matches uh, curtailed as well because they can. Uh, this prevents an employer from incurring any of the penalties that they would have otherwise incur if they didn't make their on-time contributions. So uh, regardless of whether your contribution was due for the, the plans that actually have a starting date in 2020 or for those plans that had a starting date in 2019 and as permitted by the law can actually defer them to some time in this year, those contributions don't have to be made until January 1, 2021. Now, just for our listeners, what's, what's important about that particular date, one, January 1, 2021, is not only a federal bank holiday, it's also a Friday. So the first time that you actually would might be able to get them if you don't take uh, action sooner than that is perhaps Monday on January 4th, uh, 2021. The second big item is another a voluntary election by a plan sponsor. And as we've talked over the years about uh, how the relationship between the assets and the actual liabilities exist and typically referred to as the funded status, uh, the employers actually have the ability to elect to use a funded status from the plan year 2019. And the reason that they'll be able to do this is because there are certain funded ratios at, at certain levels, particularly when uh, the ratio of assets to the liabilities is 60 or 70%. There are certain provisions within the law that prevent a plan sponsor from making certain distributions. In particular, uh, it's seen as a, a dampening or a complete halt of, of what's typically known as lump sum distributions. So again, the, the plan sponsor has the ability here to make a voluntary election to use the 2019 funded status for purposes of what's known as benefit restrictions in 2020. The last item I'll mention, and I know Jeannie was mentioning uh, required minimum distributions for savings plans, there's nothing at this time in the new law that puts a halt on required minimum distributions for these single employer pension plans. So that's kind of the, the quick wrap up, Jeremy, of what are the, the, the two new pieces of law uh, for single employer defined benefit plans. Thanks, Charlie. So Ginny, I wanna hear a little bit more about what this is gonna mean for plan sponsors. I've heard this referred to as something of a defined contribution called ARMS. How are plan sponsors likely to take this rule and respond to it with their DC plans? I think that most plan sponsors will want to offer these voluntary provisions, um, particularly because participants are already asking for it. They're asking their employers, uh, the plan sponsors, uh, can I take money out of my plan? They're asking Milliman, they're calling our call center, they're, they're needing a way to get some money so that they can pay their bills and get by during the crisis. So employers are very, very interested 
in uh, adopting these voluntary plan provisions to help their employees, to help the plan participants get some access to their defined contribution account balances. So we see some very positive responses from our clients, the, the plan sponsors, wanting to go ahead and just as soon as possible allow their participants to get access to their account balances. We are working very quickly to be able to respond to that for our employers, our plan sponsor clients and their employees. And you said we're trying to make these changes quickly. I'm curious what, what that means and what the timing looks like. How quickly are plan sponsors able to enact these changes? We are in the process of getting the systems ready. That is underway. Um, and, and the plan sponsor actually has quite an extended period of time to adopt a plan amendment if they allow these. They have until the end of the 2022 plan year so they have quite a bit of time to amend the plan. Right now, they simply have to tell us they want to do this. And of course, we'll record their, their intent and they can document it internally in their retirement plan committee minutes so that they have that documentation on, on their end. But amendments are way down the road. So right now, we're in an emergency situation. They just need to tell us and we will get that implemented for their plan participants. Yeah, and I'll pick it up on what, what uh, Jenny just said on the single employer plan. We're starting to hear questions about what our clients should do or may, may wanna do, and uh, we're responding to them similarly to, to Ginny. I suspect that the, the call to arms to do things very quickly on defined benefit plans doesn't have the same expediency or emergency on the, the defined contribution side as folks uh, probably need this be, because as Ginny said, uh, there's, there's some bills to be paid uh, and, and other things. And, and I do agree also with Ginny with, with her comment about the, um, uh, the amendments to these plans, they're kind of down the road, but the one thing that we uh, ask plan sponsors to do is, is to make some type of information directly available to us as their business partners. So we're making sure that we uh, make the changes and, and make these permissible distributions. So, uh, and in fact, one of the things that's actually in the new law is some extraordinary authority that's been given to the Department of Labor uh, to delegate authority to plan sponsors to do certain things. And the certain things include uh, make, making sure that participants understand uh, the disclosures that they're required to give uh, we, we think, but we don't have uh, direct information at this time that the Department of Labor will somehow delay some of the normal uh, filings that we have at this time. Uh, we think it could cover uh, participant disclosures, such as um, quarterly statements on the DC side. It could uh, uh, also include some disclosures on the defined benefit side. Um, but one of the things that, that we want to make sure that uh, we don't do is stop the work until DOL actually says this. One of the things that we, we are speculating about is somehow there'll be some type of uh, trickle down effect here in communications between the federal agencies and plan sponsors. Ginny um, pointed out to us uh, that some other filings that uh, her and many of our other colleagues have been working on to make submissions on plan documentation have actually been suspended 
uh, and deferred till either June 30th or July 31st. I won't go into the details of, of what they are, but I, I have some optimism that the Department of Labor will start to uh, get information out to us and, and give us some uh, formal guidance. We talked a little bit about the need for quick relief, and certainly we're seeing that on the DC side. Ginny, what are some of the longer term implications of this? Normally, I not that we would discourage withdrawals from uh, from your retirement savings, but maybe not a best practice. Um, but clearly, people need help now. So, what does this mean longer term, and and what can plan sponsors do to help ensure that people get the help they need now and that they're also going to be in an okay position in the future? Well, you know, longer term, obviously, for years and years, we have been helping our plan sponsors to be able to provide retirement benefit programs that will provide a secure retirement for their employees, their plan participants. And you know, unfortunately, when the need for the participants to get access to their retirement plan accounts the most um, right now during this economic uh, crisis for many of them where they don't have any paychecks coming in or don't have the same income they had coming in, this is when the prices, the stock market prices are down. This is when the 401k accounts, the 403b accounts, the profit sharing account values are down because that is the nature of a defined contribution plan. Uh, ultimately, when the participant retires, the amount of money they have for retirement is their account balance. Um, right now, their balances are down. The worst time to withdraw money from that aspect is when the the value of the mutual fund shares that it might be invested in are you know reduced so that's going to not only deplete their retirement account it will also deplete it at a time that's worse to withdraw money so you know that's that's a tragedy uh but it is the reality um you know in in the future when when the economy recovers when people are back to work when the stock market is doing well again you know, uh, I think the, the main thing is the, the account values will increase over time. Uh, you know, most uh, 401k plan participants, investors and in 403b plans, et cetera, uh, are in this for the long-term investing. You know, the retirement may be many years down the road for them, so not to get discouraged. And when the things are back to normal, to continue to save in their 401k plans, in their 403b plans. Uh, we have seen, unfortunately, many plan sponsors not being able to continue to make matching contributions or their profit sharing contributions. They're having to suspend those for now. But, you know, we often see that when the economy is well, employers want to put more in than maybe they had before. So eventually we will see participants saving again in by the way of elective deferral contributions in their 401k plan employers will probably re-implement their matching re-implement their profit sharing perhaps at increased levels to you know help make up for the harder times so there there are some long-term implications but i i think that we will come out of this in the end with um you know a good lack, outlook for the future and, and just, just to add to what Ginny's saying, um, 
one of the things that we obviously have no proof of yet, but we, if we look in the rear view mirror, instead of looking forward just for a second, uh, we, we did see with the financial market uh, meltdown of 2008-2009 that there, were, there was a, a substantive number of delayed retirements. And that meaning that, you know, perhaps folks had saved enough, had both uh, everything lined up, their DB plan, if they had one, DC plan and Social Security, that they were going to retire, say, in the next, you know, five or six months. And what statistics show is that there were an awful lot of defer, uh, deferrals of their retirements probably taking place over 18 or 24 months, so not until 2010 and 2011. What, what I hope we will not see is a repeat of that, but uh, we shouldn't be surprised by it as well. And the other thing that uh, I'm interested in seeing as, as this plays out, um, what one of the things that we do know is that deferrals to savings plans by participants are completely voluntary and whether or not we'll uh, see folks actually opting out of them, which means they're not deferring uh, the uh, the federal taxes or the state taxes, and uh, they're they're taking it in in salary and obviously paying tax on it. So we're we're hoping that uh, we we don't see that, but we we shouldn't be surprised if that does happen as well. Well, thank you, Jeannie and Charlie, for joining us. You've been listening to Critical Point, a podcast from Melaman. To listen to other episodes of our podcast, visit us at melaman.com. You can also subscribe to Critical Point on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you find your podcasts. We'll see you next time.